Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And here, uh, we, we're going to have our evangelist to come, Brother Colin Cressman. And uh, we do welcome you here, Landmark, and of course, Section 4, and Brother Russell, the best section in Illinois. Amen, Section 4. <laughs> Praise God. I thank the Lord for a presbyter that is excited about Section 4. Thank you, Brother Russell, for your, your encouragement and your strength. Amen, and um, appreciate you. Uh, we want Brother Cullen Cressman to come tonight, and we want him to minister the word. He is a, an instructor at Urshan College, and um, he is Landmark's evangelist. And we love and appreciate Brother Cressman. We want him to come and uh, take his liberty in the word here tonight. I believe that God wants to do some great things through the word of the Lord if we just simply believe in what God is going to say to us through his preacher. Brother, Brother Cressman, God bless you. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I also want to uh, echo the thanks and honor that has been mentioned a few times uh, to Brother Russell and to Brother Rutherford. Uh, Thank you for having me and thank you to Brother Burke. It's a privilege and honor, a blessing to be here. And I also want to extend uh, another thank you and give honor to brother and sister bachelor I am thankful that I have the opportunity I will take advantage of the space so that I can say publicly you did a masterpiece with Aaron bachelor and I am blessed to have him as a pastor in St. Louis I'm going to get right to it you don't have to stand Uh, I will clean the slate right now, all the expectations, anything that you're wondering about. I don't do anything normally. So uh, I will start to branch out. I've stayed up here too long already. Um, So I will go ahead and make myself comfortable because we don't want to take up too much time of me just trying to get comfy. So we'll just go ahead and bite the bullet and go for it. what is your name? Brandon. Brandon? Yeah. Cullen, nice to meet you, Brandon. I want you to know right now that the responsibility is all on you. If I'm boring, if I am not engaging at all and you start to fall asleep, you are supposed to wave me down, get my attention, and tell me to stop. Because my wife is not here right now. She cannot give me that signal. She can't help me out at all. So I need you. If any of you start getting bored, you just need to pass the... The message down around Brandon, nudge him and let him know it's time to stop. So it's all on you. No pressure. I am a college professor and um, I don't get to preach a lot, so I like taking advantage of these opportunities. However, please forgive me if I seem a little bit like a teacher at times, 
The reason I'm a teacher is because I'm absolutely ate up with the Word of God. I enjoy studying it. I enjoy getting deep into it. And I enjoy sharing it with other people. And so with that, the reason I have to talk to my friend Brandon and get to know all of you is because I don't have any really catchy introductions. And I hope that you'll forgive me for that. Um, so we're just going to get right into the Word. And I'm just going to start going verse by verse. And we're going to talk about God. Does that sound good to everybody? Hey. What is your name? Bianca. Bianca? I am Cullen. Nice to meet you, Bianca. I looked over and I saw you in the middle of the service. And I felt the presence of God as soon as I saw you. And I want you to know that you have a calling on your life to be a minister. I don't know how that's going to look, but I felt the Lord very strongly when I looked and saw you worshiping God. I just want you to know that, Bianca. Nice to meet you. I want to go into Genesis chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, if you have your digital Bible, you can uh, scroll there and you can find it. But we're going to start at verse 1. This is the story of Cain and Abel. Now, Adam and Eve were the first man and woman. They were created and then they messed up, ruined it for all of us. But if we're being honest, we probably would have ruined it too if we were in their position. Uh, they're just the ones who got in the book. All of, all of my failures, all of my disobedience and my problems, the only difference between me and Adam and Eve is that you don't know about them. But what we see at the, the, the beginning of the story, what God desires, what God does when he interacts with Adam and Eve is he doesn't just... Uh, give up on the world he doesn't give up on life but he works with everything we throw at him so no matter let's just get that point done no matter what you think about in life no matter what may hinder you right now in your mind or or what may uh, condemn you when you sit at home and you think about uh, all of the lies that people would tell you and what you may tell yourself is God will work with whatever we throw at him if you have fallen, if there's anything in your life, God can work with that. And he shows it not just in the story of Adam and Eve, but the story we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But what we see with Adam and Eve is that. Brandon, get this point. Don't miss it. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. They were created in the image of God. Look at your neighbors. Say, what a good image you have. You were created in the image of God. Nothing else gets to claim that. Nothing else in the world, nothing else in creation. Yeah, we have a lot of beautiful, wonderful things. We have some stuff. We go to the Grand Canyon. We can go to any kind of uh, outdoors. We can even see some things that uh, humans have made, and we can be like, whoa, that is incredible. But the one thing in all of the world that is made in the image of God is you and me. So look at your, your neighbor and say, whoa. <laughs> That's why Eve, when Adam finally had another companion, he was all alone. And then he finally saw another human being, a woman. That's why he said, whoa, man. 
We are an incredible, dynamic, beautiful, wonderful creation. Now, we also see in the very beginning of the story is we have a choice and we have an option. It was said earlier, God is a gentleman. He is the best father. For those of you who may be wondering about your future as a parent, maybe you grew up in a home that you didn't have a good father. Maybe you grew up in a home, sadly, in our society, that's very typical. Maybe you don't know how to be a good father because you didn't have a good example yourself. But if you just read the story, Genesis, right there from the get-go, we see what a good father looks like. In the same way God will work with whatever we throw at him, good fathers, good mothers work and fight for whatever your kids throw at you. So remember that, Brandon. One day, you'll be a dad. Deal with it, okay? <laughs> but we see that we have this option, we have this choice, and Adam and Eve blew it. How dare they? But God still works with it, and then you get into the very next story, and we get a little bit more clarity on what a big problem, uh, a, a big problem that all of us deal with even today and I have a word from God for you tonight. Uh, just typical. Brother Burke called me. Okay, I'm preaching. Well, Lord, you just let me know what needs to be said. So I have a word for you tonight. Some things in this room, some things that as a, an entire society, I don't think that this is just for the youth. But I believe that we have a word from the Lord for everyone in this room. Something we need to wrestle with. Something we need to draw some new lines. We need to change. And I want to pull that out in the second bad example in the Bible. Adam and Eve, we find out a lot about God. With Cain and Abel, we find out a lot about humans. And so I want to talk to you about our problems. So I'm going to read you the story. It's a lot of fun. This is Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And I may stop and add some, some remarks here and there. I can't help myself. So if you're trying to follow along and you're like, whoa, what did he do? That's not in the Bible. It probably isn't. I'm just saying things as I go. Making comments. What's your name? Grace. Grace. Nice to meet you, Grace. I'm Colin. So, verse 1, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Right from the get-go, you see that this is a problem. This is going to be disastrous. Two brothers. And there's always a problem when you get two guys in a room. Competition is going to come up. A sibling rivalry, that's number one. So you have these two brothers. One of them is a shepherd, and the other one is a gardener. And in the process of time, it came to pass, this is verse 3, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the first, firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. 
But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So look at your neighbor and say, Cain was angry. And now you have to act this one out. Look at him and say, his countenance fell. But before we move forward, some people make the mistake. They read and without really grasping this first point here. What's happening in the story? What has been, has God made a judgment? Has God told Cain what's wrong? Has he told Cain that he should be angry? Has God told Cain that he should be ashamed? No, Cain did that himself. It does say that the Lord accepted the offering of Abel. But all the shame, that's from Cain. Cain is not patient enough. So understand this, patience something we should all learn. He wasn't patient enough to calm himself and to listen to the Lord first rather than jump to conclusions about his brother. Cain started the competition. It was never in the mind of God. I'll prove it to you. We move forward. Cain was angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? He's just wondering, what is it? Why, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? So look at your neighbor and say, what's wrong with you? I say that to people sometimes. They're walking around all mopey. Oh countenance has fallen and sometimes you just want to notice what is wrong with you why has your countenance fallen he says God tells her this is my you know modern English translation he says what's wrong with you if you do well this is what God says to him if you do well will you not be accepted if you do well, won't, won't you be accepted? If you just do things right, won't, won't it be okay? Why, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Why, why are you so bothered? You just do the right thing. It's, it's very simple. Why, why are you bothered? Just do the right thing. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, here's what we can't miss, Brandon. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. And we highlight that a lot and sometimes we miss the next phrase. But you should rule over it. If you do good, yeah, you, you gave an offering and I didn't accept it. God has rules, God has expectations, and it's fair that he has expectations. He made us. He gets to do what he wants to. My dad, we used to play Monopoly, and whenever he didn't have enough money, you know, like you always have that awful card where you, ha you 
it's like uh, chance or whichever one it is, is community chest. You draw a card and it says, pay every player $50. And you never have enough 50s. It's like the worst thing in the world. My father, he would just take his $100 bills, rip them in half and give everybody half of them. And my sister would be so upset because you're ruining all of the, the currency. You're tearing it up. And he would just look at her and he said, my house, my rules. I do what I want. One day when you pay the bills, you can decide to treat your money how you want to. My house, my rules. So it is fair. Whatever the case may be, it is fair that God has expectations and he gets to decide them and we shouldn't question that or be bothered by it. What he says goes. His house, his rules. If you don't like it, deal with it. Okay? But what we see from God is it's not just that he is saying you get one shot. He's not this awful overlord where he says, I have rules and expectations and you have no idea what they are. And good luck because if you mess up one time, you're out the door. <laughs> That's not what you see. But he says, what's wrong with you, Cain? You know me. I'm here with you. We should not forget the point that, yes, Adam and Eve are no longer in the garden. But whenever we were kicked out of the presence of God, he followed us. Cain should have got it. He should have already understood that God is going to be with us. He is going to pursue us even when we make mistakes. And Cain should have understood that God is not this evil king that is wanting to crush you at any moment. And that's why he says to Cain, what's wrong? If you do good, it's all going to be fine. You just messed up once. You, you just, I didn't accept it one time. Don't, don't sweat it. But then he gives him some key advice. He says, but if you don't change your attitude... I'm asking you this question because I want to know what's wrong. If you don't change, you're going to continue in this spiral. And just like your mom and dad, Cain, just like Adam and Eve, they were tempted. There's a tempter. There is going to be temptation in your life. And if you don't come back to me, that tempter is waiting for you, wants to take you. And then he gives him the best statement you could ever receive from the Lord. He says, but you should overcome it. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. Whatever it is you're called to, whatever it is you feel in this moment, maybe you're overwhelmed, maybe things that you're just trying to make it to tomorrow. All of the things that would pressure us the things that we have anxiety about. Well, I've got bills. I've got, I've got to figure this out. And we're thinking, I, I might not even make it to tomorrow. So what's the point? And that fear, that anxiety, that pressure is just enough to tempt us to forsake God. But you have everything you need to overcome it. You have everything you need to please God. So, let's find out what Cain does. He says that, God says that 
The tempter is desiring you, and you should rule over the tempter. Now, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and what he should have said is, Abel, God talked to me, and I recognize that I was more concerned about my offering being better than yours instead of pleasing the Lord. That's what he should have said to Abel. Instead, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. I know where he was, where I left him. I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? Is he my responsibility? Why do you care? He's not my problem anymore. And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And then he tells him, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. I just want to talk to you for a few moments about what is plaguing our society. My title, the thing I want you to walk away with tonight, is the image of my brother. The image of my brother. We're all made in the image of God. All of us. We are all made in the image of God. Why does it matter that we are in his image? What is the point of us being in his image? I'll give you a, a quick college lesson. Are you ready for this? What is your name? Briley. I'm Cullen. Nice to meet you. Are you ready for some college? If you need to take notes, just jot them down. But the creation story, the beginning of Genesis, when you see the image of God, that humans are created in that image, it's because the earth is his temple. Now, if you look in the ancient world, and even today, if you travel to other countries, what is inside a temple? A statue, an idol, an object of worship, an image that's supposed to tell you what you're worshiping, that's supposed to show you about the God whose temple you're in. But in the Bible, we don't just serve some God. We don't read about just uh, a demigod or a, a kind of God or one of many or one who has certain powers over water but not powers over the air. We don't see that kind of God. We see the God. He created the whole world 
And he says not to worship images. Don't worship idols. And he creates humans in his image. And when I see humans, what am I supposed to see when I see you? Just like a pagan can walk into a temple and see a statue and see an idol that's supposed to direct their attention to that God. When I see all of you, more to the point, when I see what God has done in your life, when I hear testimonies, when I see what God can bring you from, when I see people, I have family members who were delivered from drug addiction. I have family members who were miraculously healed, Brother Bachelor. I know that God cares. And when I hear those stories, the image that I'm looking at in this room right now, human beings, when I see that good creation, it directs my attention to the God of the universe, that he made everything. When I see all of you, when we see each other, when we celebrate one another, we are pushed, we can't help, when we see people do good things. You, you can even watch videos. You can go on YouTube and waste hours of time. And you notice that you see people, if they do good things, you can get addicted to watching videos of people doing good things. Now sadly, we spend a lot of that time watching cat videos. But humans are incredible. To say that it's just nothing that developed and morphed and there was no intent behind it is foolish because when I see all of you and I see what you're capable of, when I see what you can do, well, there had to be an incredible God that spent time designing you and that makes me want to worship Him. But if we get so consumed with our own image. It warps, it changes the way that we see each other. Why do we battle so much anxiety in the world today? Why do we battle so much fear, torment? Why is everything so uh, amped up? Why does it make us all so anxious? And why are we depressed? What is the reason for that? What is the reason that, and I'm going to talk straight to you right now, all of you young people, what is the reason that you go home and you may put on a good face when you're here in church and you may play the part when you're with your friends, but what is the reason that when you lie in bed at night, you feel alone in the world and you feel like nobody understands you and you feel depressed and you feel like you'll never add up and you feel like you'll never actually make it? Why is that? Why do you battle that fear? Why do you doubt yourself? It's because we have been twisted. The tempter has come. And we have been distracted by our own self-image. And that causes us to compare ourselves to one another. The reason Cain couldn't do well the reason Cain couldn't just make another sacrifice. What's wrong with you, Cain? If you do well, I'm going to accept it. 
don't sweat it. Don't, don't worry about it. If you do well. But Cain was more concerned with comparison with his brother than worshiping his God. And so that comparison makes him lose. He, he does not respect the image of God anymore. And that's why he's okay with murdering his brother. That he has become so self-centered, so self-absorbed, so conceited, that he no longer sees people for what they are, a wonderful creation. He sees them as objects to step upon, to raise himself up. I can kill, Cain, or Cain, kill Abel, and then there's nobody to compete with anymore. I can destroy my brother, and there's nobody to battle anymore at that point. So let me talk straight with you. I think Christianity needs to start redrawing lines and reevaluating how we behave and how we interact with social media. You spend time. You can get on there for good reasons, but then inevitably you keep scrolling and you see everybody else's life. You see everybody else's fake life. None of those pictures are real. I'm a college teacher. I see how long all of those kids spend on editing their photos. It's fake. It's a facade. Life is not all beautiful. But what makes life beautiful is when I have ups and downs and I'm able to worship as I'm coming back up and God is delivering me. You get on, you get on social media and all you're doing is comparing. You've stopped worshiping. You stop thinking about God and you stop thinking about what he wants to do in your life and what he's capable of doing in your life. And the whole time he's telling you, that you can offer another sacrifice. But all you're seeing is how many likes they have and how many followers they have. And if I only had that outfit and if I only had that kind of following, all of it just twists and turns until you get to the point that I no longer care about real friendships. I no longer care about other human beings. I don't care about you anymore, Brandon. You're just another person to compete with. And so we end up destroying one another. And that's the next step that you see in our culture today, social media. That we no longer care about what we say to one another. I can get on social media and I can comment and I can say the nastiest things to people. And it doesn't matter. And the reason we're okay with that is because we've stopped worshiping. And we've started comparing. And we've lost sight of the image of God. That you are all made by Him. That He wants to do things in your life. And He wants to have a relationship in your life. 
a real one, something that's beyond what you can get in just a picture and a scroll. It's beyond that. Does any of that really matter? I've never killed anybody. I mean, Cain was marked for all eternity because he murdered his brother. I've never killed anybody. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, and if musicians want to make their way, I'm closing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, it's a curse, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift, look at that. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. So what do you need to do tonight? Now I've preached here so those who attend the Burke's church they will already know they are aware I do not do altar calls traditionally so I'd like everybody to stand I have rules for my altar calls now one day when you're preaching you can make the rules for your altar calls but I get to make the rules for this one we live in a culture that cheapens the way that we talk to one another we devalue other humans on a daily basis and if we're really honest with ourselves we spend way too much time comparing ourselves to one another instead of celebrating one another. Instead of acknowledging that we are all created by God and there is so many things that should just elicit praise, that should bring out worship in my heart. And instead, our culture has developed this device, the selfie. that forces us to focus on ourselves too much to the point that we are okay with our anger and we stop bringing gifts to the Lord.
we're going to be judged one day so here's the rules of the altar call number one turn to your neighbor tell him say get over yourself you got to get over yourself number one rule you are not allowed to pray for yourself tonight you are not allowed to pray for yourself you are not allowed to pray for yourself second you are going to continue to move from place to place person to person and you are going to pray a blessing over your brothers and sisters. You're going to walk up to somebody, you're going to take them by the hand, and you're going to look them in the eye. And you're going to say something good about them. And then you're going to pray. And you're going to pray for a blessing in their life. If you want, you can ask them if they have a prayer request. And you take that prayer before the Lord, you take that need before the Lord. What's your name? Can you come up here, Quentin? Sometimes it's best if we illustrate. So, I decided I was going to pick the best looking dude in the room to help me out. And Quentin, I'm going to use you as an illustration. Not allowed to pray for myself, so I'm going to have to go to somebody I may not know. And when I get done praying for Quentin, I'm going to have to go to somebody else I don't know. I'm going to have to get over myself. I'm going to walk up to somebody, ask them their name, take them by the hand, and I want you to know right now, Quentin, that you're a young man. I was a young man one day, or back in the day. I used to go to youth rallies, and I, I love seeing that young men still go to youth rallies because these are the places where my life was consecrated I am where I am today because I was a respectful young man just like you. I came to church, I wore my tie, and I was a good man and I continued to grow and pursue the call of God. I know, just seeing you right now and your demeanor, God's going to use you. And I hope he uses you. More importantly, everything you see me do right now, Quentin, I hope you do it better. I will be so happy if you're a better preacher than I am. I'm going to be so proud if you read the Bible better than I do. Now I want you to know that you're going to go on my prayer list. I'll be praying for your ministry and your future. I love you. I believe in you. It doesn't take anything. What did I sacrifice? Nothing. God wants to speak to people tonight. So as they begin to sing, you don't necessarily have to come to the front, but I want you to begin walking around the room. Let the Lord lead you. Walk up to somebody and bless them. Pray for them. Pray for one another. It can be long, it can be short, and as soon as you get done praying, go find somebody else. Pray for them. We're just going to keep on praying for one another and see what the Lord says to all of us tonight.